Hello and welcome to Quad Trivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Spokane, Washington and Northern Idaho. I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment in the Chicago area. I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. And I am Jason, also with Liquid Courage Entertainment. Hello to our adoring audience of uh, some number. I have <laughs> three. <laughs> Big two okay. on my end. Oh, yeah. I have a number that is larger, but not significantly larger. And now I feel bad. <laughs> 13. 13. I'm at 13. That's okay. All right. That's a good number of people stopping by to hear us try to do this without any cuts. Yeah, exactly. Be a good time. Oh, yeah. No, this is going to be live. This is going to be raw. This is going to be unfiltered. So, this is going to be the PBR of podcasts, basically. So are we, are we going to like unbury the elephant in the room here that's been kind of thrown in the corner and just let everybody know that this is live? Yeah. Like, this, I mean, it won't be to the audio listeners a week and a half when we publish this, but you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Editing magic. <laughs> it's like, I guess the nerves of being live are like, oh, everybody has audio issues. Oh, Jeremy was just muted because he's an idiot. Um, let's go with that second thing. Yep. That's a thing that happened. Hey. And you know what? It's all your fault. Now I'm drinking, so it's just going to get better. Oh yeah. I put the, I put the bottle to your mouth, sir. Yes, he did. This is our 25th episode. How exciting is that? I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> I mean, it shows that we have not visibly or audibly strangled each other in six months. And that is an accomplishment in my life. I'm going to submit the distance is a big reason yeah seconded yeah fair enough jeremy was actually at my house i think uh two weeks ago and one of us both of us actually came out unscathed so i will take the victories as they come aaron how's lawyering i think honestly the biggest concern is if you get critical mass of us in a room we're just going to get obliterated drunk and if we survive that no one's going to remember what was said <laughs> it's, it's uh, going to be the concur, real world the podcast have been there <laughs> <laughs> see what happens That's... when the liquor flows and feelings start coming out loud and i walk into that room late and jason's like i'm 15 drinks in i'm gonna have another want a shot <laughs> this this is pbr whiskey by the way I argue that it's one of those things you just said. Oh, it's so good if you mix it with anything else. PBR. Okay. <laughs> oh, so it's too. bad. Is what you're saying. I mean, it's it is oh. not a sipping whiskey. It is a mixing whiskey. Mix it well, with it's PBR. Your... Yeah. Yeah. No, Aaron, you hit the nail on the head there. Anyway. Okay. So it's, it's exactly um, what you expect, which I respect that. It mixes better with with something sweet like it mixed really well with eggnog with like uh pepsi but then when i tried it by itself it just it doesn't work is were those like the two things you had lying around eggnog and pepsi <laughs> who does <laughs> isn't that like that's an actual beverage out in the northeast isn't it have you never had a tom and jerry well yes yeah, so isn't that a tom and jerry like <laughs> isn't that just eggnog <laughs> well i mean you can go to the store and buy eggnog and then put whiskey in it yeah, but like it's October. Is it eggnog? Oh, actually, yeah. no, I'm good. You do you, buddy. Oh, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, I, think, eggnog, I think specifically, Aaron, it's stores. pumpkin spice eggnog season right now. Eggnog hit the stores on the first. As soon as October comes around, we get the nog. Someone in my chat just suggested mixing the eggnog and the Pepsi. 
So um, oh, it could God. be worse. Yeah, well, I just, feel like that's a thing in like Maine or Rhode Island or something. Am I crazy? You can this? you can keep them in your chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Rhode I Island have, has a I've, weird state drink that involves soda and something with eggs or milk or ah, I swear oh, this is a thing. Wait, do you mean? Um, are you thinking? Are you talking about a coffee a coffee cabinet? I the, might be coffee syrup and soda water. That very well might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. What's what's the uh, egg cream? Is that what you're thinking? Oh, of? the egg Bronx cream? egg cream. Like from That's a, another one too. From old soda. I feel shops? like if you're in Maine, it's just alcohol mixed with clam chowder. Oh God. I haven't eaten dinner yet, you bastard. <laughs> I just did, and y'all know that. And this isn't fair. <laughs> who do I who do I get to puke first? There we go. Live on stream. Not the kind of podcast we're aiming for, buddy. <laughs> so, speaking of our podcast, and uh, appropriately so, our our topic today is time management <laughs> and pacing, which we are fucking crushing, by the way. <laughs> Nailing it. I am watching the timer actively, and so far, <laughs> honest to God, we're okay. Well, yeah. I will yell okay. when we're not. We're okay from the start of the intro. But we've been in this call for an hour now. <laughs> you wouldn't I know started... from our fresh faces. <laughs> my, audacity is, my audacity is 30 minutes in, so. <laughs> well, you we're, just we're have well. a level of audacity above <laughs> and beyond all four of us. Oh, boy. <laughs> so let's talk about time management. Uh, we did pick this topic specifically for the live episode because... We had a feeling it would be an issue, and uh, <laughs> here we it's are a little, proving little on the nose. So basically, for the first time on the show, uh, completely don't listen to us. Just listen to whatever you hear here, and then uh, do the opposite, because as you can see, <laughs> yeah, we are really right. good at staying on pace and keeping timing. Or listen yep. to both to see how the magic of editing makes us sound like we're good at no staying shit, on No shit, right? That's a, that's a good <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to know just how much work we put on Ken right now after this <laughs> imagine having an so, editor for your live shows oh my just god to erase it oh man just rage quit like just rage quit right there <laughs> done like and jeremy oh no. could pronounce impressionist painters right and nobody would know the difference and oh. it would be beautiful and i would love it and yes i'm bringing it up again what did degas ever do to you <laughs> we should get a counter we should get a counter just put it in the corner of each episode image this is the 16th time we've talked about Degas. We okay, you, you joke about the, that, uh... Jeff, but I swear to God, I'm going to add to the website at some point a counter for every time you clear your throat without muting the microphone. That's fair. I count them. If it's them, in the middle or... of a sentence, I can't stop. Or yes, you can. You can just, you know, stop for two seconds in the middle of a sentence. It's okay. Uh, we forgive you. All right. Anyway, pacing, time management. Let's get some and talk about it. Corey, you were bringing us in. What do you got? My time management skills are shit. They're so bad. All right. Well, why does it? Well, let me ask you this to, to jump things off. Why does it matter so much in a pub trivia context? At least to you. Good question. Um, I mean, I am hired to run a two hour show, a two hour segment of entertainment. Anything outside of that two hours, I'm not technically getting paid for. Um, it's reducing my my income per hour and just putting more work on me. I mean, I'm already 
I've, I've already got, you know, a half hour of setup, 15 minutes of breakdown. So I'd say that's, that's the first part of it. But uh, the main reason that that time management matters is people lose interest. They get distracted. And if you're not holding on to them, they're going to go. No, that's very fair. I wanted to, to follow up and ask, are you tightly scheduled to a two-hour window? Or is that what you promote your event to be and the target that you attempt to hit? The, it, more of the latter. Um, none of my, my venues right now have something happening like immediately before or immediately after. So if it does run late, it's not an issue. But yeah, I just are... I sell a two-hour trivia show. Yeah, there are a few there are a few nights a year. Well, rather, there were a few nights a year where the bar would have uh, live music going on right after, most notably Blackout Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving, because uh, I host my rather used to host my live shows on Wednesday nights and they would have uh, live DJs dancing and stuff like that the night before Thanksgiving because everybody had the night off. So I, I would always have like a hard out at 10 o'clock on those days. And I and there's a few other nights where they've had artists come in on those and they're like, you need to be done at 10 o'clock. Uh, but most of the time, I agree with Corey. It's because they're, they asked me to fill a two-hour time slot. And if I am going over the far end of that, I'm not being paid extra for my time at that point. So it, it behooves us to get in and out and do exactly what they asked us to do for the pay that we were promised. Because if we mess up our pacing and we don't keep an eye on the time, we're essentially doing extra work that we're not being paid for at that point. Like Corey said, from a participant standpoint, it they lose interest. Like most people don't have the attention span for marathon trivia games. I think we all know people that do, but they're not our regular trivia players. Uh, one of the things that I get really great feedback on is that my game starts at seven. So you're out by nine o'clock. And I've had people say to me, we love this because it means we're not here until midnight. The brewery loves it because they're like, we just close when you're done. I love it because I have time to get a beer with friends after and still be in bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, when we first switched to online trivia, my first game, I did it um, on Facebook. And Rob, thank you again, buddy, for doing this, scored everything by hand before we picked up liquid courage magic sheets. And that game took like three and a half, four hours because it just took a long ass time. I had like 50 odd teams. I noticed a steep drop off after that because no one wanted to play a game that took three hours. And I get it. Like we've all got better stuff to do. Yeah, I definitely remember that first night that you were on Facebook and the pacing was uh, unfortunately problematic because we were all scrambling to try to put something together. Uh, you've gotten it down very tightly in the last few months and credit where credit's due on that. I know I've seen uh, Jeremy's... I said Jeremy like he does games online. We're working on it. Uh, I've seen Jeff's streams. I've seen Aaron's streams. I've seen Corey's streams. And you guys are real high and tight with the two-hour window uh, from like question one to, to question the end. I keep dragging. And I don't mean to keep dragging in my online games. But, um, you know, I normally go live with my classic game, 8 p.m. Central. And then I allocate you know, 15 minutes, honest God, for just sticking around and get everybody set up. Uh, and then I get a raid in from Jeff and I get a raid in from Aaron and it's awesome. And the timing works out great. And then I'm dicking around for a few more minutes. We usually drop the first question 20 to 25 minutes past the hour. And then it's almost two and a half hours of actual content. And I don't know, uh, for those of you in here who have played that game, do you have any advice on how I can speed up the pacing of the online stream to hit those time markers that you guys are hitting 
Uh, you could just ban the people who talk shit about your questions. <laughs> no, I like having people in my game, Corey. That's the <laughs> fundamental difference. And if he, yeah, um, if he banned people who talk shit, he'd have no players. Uh, I think uh, oh, that's true. I mean, before they get into like what you can actually do to keep it shorter, I think one of the draws of your stream is that it is interactive. Uh, people feel comfortable talking and chatting with you. And I, I, again, it's it's different than some of the other streams where everybody stays on pace, just does the questions and gets out where they're not really interacting with their chat. So yeah, I think the counterpoint that to that is, and I, I want to make sure that this gets passed on is I've been in their streams, uh, Jeff and, and Corey and Aaron, you guys are incredibly interactive with your people. Uh, you're I, talking I, to them and responding to them all the time. So I don't know that that's a fundamental make or break. I, I think one of the bigger, one of the bigger issues is, and I've just, uh, I've had this occur in my live game too, where I'll have what I think is a normal trivia night and I'll have five or six extra teams beyond or close to capacity where I wasn't ready for that. Like I've talked, I think I've spoken on the podcast before, but if I haven't, the the bar that I work at at one point opened up the outside patio and invited outside players to play. And my teams doubled for the night and the game ran almost an hour long just because I had so many more boxes to tick off. I had so many more tables to keep an eye on. I had so many more things to do. And I think that that's just inherent of uh, your larger crowd, Jason, is that you have uh, more wheels that are squeaky and need grease. Uh, just overall, in terms of that, I think that that might just be a small portion of uh, one of the reasons why you go longer than than that tight two hours. It could just be because of the amount of interaction that you have to do. Yeah, I mean, you even admitted you do a lot of dicking around, and that's why I enjoy hopping over to your stream when mine is done because it's it's like it's like a trivia <laughs> lounge. It's fun. Um, I also think you probably well. Jeff, you, you use Triv now too, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, then th this might not be it. But you, you also, I mean, using Triv now means that the one question, one answer format, I mean, I can fire off 10 questions really quick. If I get behind, I ask my questions quicker. You don't really have that luxury. I also have a co-host. So if, you know, if something demands my attention, I'm my attention's over here and Rob can still run the game. So no, those are fair points for sure. Yeah. And I guess I didn't. I hadn't uh, come into the conversation thinking that there's a fundamental pacing difference between doing a one question, one answer format versus uh, what you, I think, specifically do of the five of us, which is the 10 question, 10 answer reveal. And I know a lot of people do that online and their their streams do seem to pace themselves better. When I've had guest hosts on the channel that have done one round at a time, the pacing feels a little bit better as well. The unfortunate downside is you do have to take time to do that recap. It's it's saving time on the front end and spending it on the back. It's kind of a robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. When we first hooked up with uh, with Triv Now, I switched to the app for a while, and this was pre-pandemic. Um, I switched to the app for a while and was trying it at my live shows, and of course that required a switch to one Q one A, and I found that my timing was way off. It it was taking me a lot longer to do one question, one answer than uh, 10Q, 10A. So I think that's part of it. And was pointed out, you have a lot of people uh, in your, your stream and you are interacting with a lot of them. And it, it just, uh, those things add up. Yeah, I'm actually getting a little bit of feedback right now from the live stream that we're doing uh, from one of my players that says, uh, sometimes I discuss the questions longer than probably anybody has any give a damn about so i can i can start keeping an eye on that uh but you, you know i go down also, rabbit holes 
You also have a lot of persnickety players and, you know, some of your questions, especially the shorter ones, lend themselves to people being persnickety about it. So you you will have, I mean, I'll hop into a conversation where you're going back and forth with someone and it's in good faith and it's interesting to watch as a content creator. But, you know, again, I don't have that. Or if I do have that, I'm like, hey, Rob, take care of this guy. Like, figure this out. Um, go Here's get him. baseball bat. Go, go take care of arms. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, the official enforcer of Orange Cat trivia now. I'm going to get him a t-shirt. <laughs> I was going to say, the other suggestion I would have is maybe you could shorten your questions five seconds each on the timer. And that adds I could. up. I mean, that's going to make up I mean, a grand total of four minutes. I just, like I said, a little bit here and there, if you feel like it's going too no, that's, long, that's something you could that's do. That's not a, I mean, a faulty assumption. I mean, not to move the goalposts too far. God damn it. Can we <laughs> mute him? <laughs> How, how much does stuff cost in Monopoly if we're going to rehash old shit? Uh, $75. Exactly. No, nothing in well, some things, but nothing costs $75 in Monopoly. Uh, so that's specifically as far as uh, we're talking pacing for our online shows. There will be live shows. I mean, Aaron and uh, Corey and Jeremy, you guys are actively doing live shows right now in venues. Um, does any of this translate into the, how you keep an eye on pacing when you're running a live show with people, uh, metaphorically, and in some cases, literally breathing down your neck? I mean, yeah, I feel like at least with the live show is like, it goes faster. Again, I'm not interacting with chat. I'm not waiting for stuff to be typed in. Everything's live. Somebody has a question, they ask it. Um, it's not, I, I do think text is part of something that will slow it down. You're wait, like I said, you're waiting for responses to come in. You know, you send a request back to a team for clarification. I can say, hey, I see you've got knowledge on this, but you didn't give me enough of an answer. I'm going to send this back, see if you can uh, answer this. And I can just send it back to them and tell them right there instead of send it back, tell them, wait for the text response. There's the delay on the stream. I, mean, I think there's a lot of things that go into streaming that you don't deal with in a live environment. No, that's definitely fair. Yeah, there's definitely a lot many more spinning plates and um, small amounts of something going wrong in one place can really sidetrack your entire show when you're streaming too. So sometimes you have to pay more attention to the little things that you can't, where if it was a live show, if my background music kicked out for some reason, you know, I would be able to solve that while the game was still happening. This is not a big deal. Um, but if for some reason, if my video crashes, while I'm doing a live stream or a part of my presentation isn't working properly, that completely puts a halt to everything. So there are small differences just due to how we're doing things. But in the end, it, it all comes down to just the same, the same job we have just spinning plates, which is different spinning different plates this time, you know? Yeah. I really like that analogy about the plate spinning that you keep bringing because there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, regardless if you're doing an online show or a live show, a lot of time markers that you have to keep an eye on. At some point, you just kind of internalize the timetable that you think has worked best over experience would, would be the, the input that I have there. Uh, you know, my live shows, for instance, we'll talk about my Monday live show, the one that, you know, gets popped up on podcasts left and right all the time. Uh, it's an eight o'clock uh, curtain for me, basically. And everybody knows that we announced that sign up start at 8 p.m. First question drops at 8.30. That lets me get in, get the gear set up, uh, get all the teams signed up, go through the introductory stuff. Uh, first question drops right there, half past the hour. Uh, we do two rounds and then a five-minute break, and that usually hits around uh, 
45 minutes to an hour in, depending. Uh, we then go two more rounds and then one more five minute break. And the whole thing tends to wrap right around 11 p.m. But everybody knows that going in. So while my live games tend to be a little longer than the ones you talked about, um, the beauty on this Monday show specifically is their kitchen closes at 11, which is perfect because their uh, liquor license allows them to have people under the age of 21 in playing while the kitchen is open. So it's a perfect transitionary time. They also bring in uh, their evening staff crossover at 8 p.m. So it's just, it's right-sized to that venue, which is beautiful. That's actually something that I never thought about, too, is is that the timing that we have to deal with in terms of how our show functions when it begins and ends and the timing of a normal shift for the restaurant or bar that we're working at and how we can offer, or rather what we can offer to pad those times before because i mean you guys know generally when you're hosting a night everybody shows up all at once uh or rather over a half hour or so and then everybody sits down orders in foods orders drink orders you know the kitchen gets hit with one big chunk right at the beginning and then there's a lull especially and i can't speak to everybody's experiences but at at the bar that i host at uh almost everybody that's there on wednesday nights at 8 p.m is there for my game there might be a few random people there but they can guarantee that at eight o'clock they're going to get a hit for apps and some sandwiches and some stuff. And then they're, you know, the bar is going to be busy the whole night. That's actually, I never really thought about the timing and pacing issues of the venue and, and what our game offers them like a coagulated lump of here comes all our orders. Uh, one of the things that I really like about using Triv now is the built-in timer for each question. And I know that both of you Liquid Courage gentlemen use one-minute timers on your questions. In my live game, my timer is a little bit uh, more wibble-wobble. I kind of go about three minutes max total time because teams have to bring their answers up to me. So if somebody's waiting a little longer to bring their answer up, I'll go give them a one-minute warning and then be like, hey, I'll be back in just a minute, so get your answers together. But what I've begun doing is for my regular round questions, rounds one and five, which are just flat, trivia questions. There's a one minute timer on those. And my rounds two and four are kind of my goofball rounds where I goof around and I do weird themes or mechanics. And almost always, if it's something that I can get away with it, I set those rounds at 30 second timers. Um, And so that cuts the time for those rounds in half compared if they were 10 regular questions. And if it's going long or short, I could use that time. I could burn or I could burn through them or burn extra time if I'm ahead or behind my own schedule. And having that two times in my game where these questions are ostensibly look at this thing, recognize it and tell me what it is. You don't need a ton of time to do that most of the time. So I'll use 30 second timers on that. And if I'm going way faster than normal, I could use that. I don't have to end the question whenever, you know, the 30 second timers up, I could make it go longer if I want but if I stick to the 30 second timer, I could get back onto my own timetable a little bit easier. So that's kind of a that's kind of one of the things that I do to keep track of my own pacing during the the tight two hours that I actually am working the game. Um, if I'm ahead or behind of where I think I should be, my 30 second rounds provide me with a little bit of I could I could squish it down or I could stretch it out depending on how I need it. Yeah, you have that little bit of flexibility to kind of hit the the end goal mark for the round and then mm-hmm. the game. Uh, Aaron, I want to throw it to you just real quick because I've I've been 
I haven't been to your live game, but your live game is your online game right now. So I imagine that they're effectively identical, generally yeah. speaking. Uh, you do not present a timer in any meaningful way, shape or form uh, in your online game. How do you kind of organically and naturally feel out the pacing of a question before you move on to the next one? Just do. And the reason, honestly, I don't have a timer on my stream is because I don't know how to do it. I'm too easy to figure it out because I always thought this was going to be kind of a short term thing. And here we are. And, you know, um, it's <laughs> just 5,000 of quarantine. Yeah, right. It was something that I never felt like I needed. It was something that, you know, if one of the first things when I first started streaming, I had some feedback from my regulars who were like, slow down, you're going too fast because when everyone's communicating online, it takes a little bit more time. Um, but other than that, I just, I don't know. I just feel it out. I try to make sure each of my rounds takes about half an hour. Um, cause that okay. closes to the two hour mark and it just, it, it just works, I think. And I, I know that's a deeply unsatisfying answer, but it's the <laughs> one that I had, I guess my equivalent of Jeff's 32nd round is, um, my halftime round is a visual or, you know, in, in the before four, when I was able to do this sort of thing, I would hand people a physical piece of paper and they would write their answers and submit it back to me. Now it's it's just like a, a Google Drive document with pictures. It's a visual. Right. Um, I think I said that already. And those tend to go quicker because you'll look at it. Like some people will look at these and be like, okay, bang, bang, bang. They'll be in within two minutes. So that's a good place to make up time if okay. I need it. No, I, I just wanted to say kind of in general that I'm impressed by your pacing. I, I watch your streams about as often as I can. And you just, you have this ability to intuit when we're done with the question and can move on without hearing any feedback or even seeing visibly that teams have kind of locked in their guesses or they're at the point. I've always said that there are three types of trivia questions in the world. There are the ones that, you know, first read instaget 100% lock. There are the ones that if you give me a hundred guesses, I'm going to give you a hundred wrong answers. And there's anything in the middle where the difference between 30 seconds and 30 minutes is so negligible that you're just throwing an educated guess out. You seem like know. you really hit that. <laughs> with your Good. timing and pacing. Um, yeah, I appreciate the feedback because one of the ways that I would do it in a live room is you you can tell audibly and visually when people are, because people are kind of going, you know, waiting oh, for yeah. you to ask the next question. It so I'm glad to know so that it's working. Much. Yeah, I'm, I I miss real-time feedback so much. We've <laughs> talked about that before. Um, but yeah, and I, I do try with my questions to, you know, maybe it's nice to get, but I want you to at least have a conversation with your team. So I try to I try to think about a minute I don't know. It just, I'm glad it works because I have yeah, no, no it, system. I just do it. It feels like 45 seconds to a minute or so. It has never felt too brief. It's never felt too long. And, and credit where credit's due on that because you are, you're winging it, like you said. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Jeremy and I, when we do our live shows, um, we're beholden to a one minute timer for every question. So you, you get your damn answer in because we're taking a walk in a minute. Uh, and that helps us pace live. But carries additional time constraints with the technological issues online. Corey, uh, feel free to jump on in. I feel like you had a thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I I try to give about a minute per question, let people you know, take a minute to answer. Uh, and what I do is on my phone, I set up my display so that it, I set it up so my screen turns off after one minute. Uh, and typically oh, really at, a live, at a live show, I'm walking around and I'm using my phone to control my computer, which is controlling the slideshow up on the TV. So after I, you know, hit next for the screen to show the next question, 
Uh, I'll read it out. And then as soon as my phone dims, I know, oh, it's about time to move on to the next one. And that's helped a, a huge amount uh, with my pacing because the the show is built around being a two hour, uh, a two hour. my dog is forcing herself under my desk. I'm sorry. Uh, it's built around being a two hour show and that one minute is perfect for it. But I also build in cushion in other ways. Um, I've got two breaks planned out with each mm -hmm. show. And if I notice that a round is going faster or slower than uh, I expect, then I can lengthen or shorten those breaks. Um, if I'm running really late because we've got, we had a late start due to issues and we've got a bunch of teams and whatever, then I'm doing grading while I'm answering other questions to further lessen the time. Um, so little tricks like that that you kind of pick up are going to help a, a lot with your pacing too. But uh, yeah, I, I look for anything I can find to help me control that timing. Yeah, that actually reminds me as you were talking about the breaks. Uh, our live shows, we do two five-minute breaks, as I said, after round two and again after round four. If we get a late start because we're waiting for the end of a sports ball thing to happen or if there's some kind of technical issue with the audio or video, I will cut one of those breaks and just do one right in the middle, like after round three. And I'll let people know in advance, hey, you know, I'm going to try to make up this time on the back end. So uh, you're not going to hear as much chatter from me. We're going to cut down to one break. I'm going to minimize the the wiggle that's kind of organically built into the presentation because your time is valuable to me. And I know it's valuable to you. And if I'm going to go after that, you know, aforementioned 11 p.m. mark, it better be for a good goddamn reason. And if the reason is me, it's never a good reason. Jeremy, you're still here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, talk to us about your live show and its pacing. Um, I mean, for the most part, it goes pretty smooth. Uh we do the one minute question. I usually, especially with Triv now, um, as stuff starts coming in earlier, um, if I need to ask for a clarification, I can do it while the timer's still going sometimes, which is great. Um, there's some questions, particularly like if we do a true or false or something that just most of the room gets or somebody throws in a guess, I can end the timer early, which is actually kind of nice uh, to speed things up a little bit. Uh, if everybody's in and there's still 30 seconds left on the timer, there's no reason to make people twiddle, uh, you know, twiddle their thumbs. They can just, all right, hey, everybody's in. Let's see what we got and move on from that. Uh, which that is, is a which big is advantage really nice. that the TrivNow app offers versus pen and paper stuff. Um, at least if the pen and paper stuff is like what we do with whiteboards and markers where you just don't know if everybody's done. Uh, Jeff and Aaron and I presume Corey uh, before quarantine were doing uh, handouts that came back to you. So do you ever get a gist that everybody is done and handed in and you're just kind of writing out the timer or do you kind of give them that full submission window every time because you're not sure that everybody's in? My live game, uh, I would give the teams uh, stacks of cut up index cards and each each question, they'd have to write their team name and an answer, bring it up to me. So after each question, it's very much like Triv now, just Stone Age version. I know when everybody's answers are in. And likewise, uh, before Triv now added the feature, I know which teams hadn't submitted their answers yet. So just like Jeremy was saying, if everybody's answers are in, I don't got to wait any longer. I could go ahead with the answer and stuff like that. So it, it's um, one of the reasons why I like using Triv now so much is, is it is very 
very similar to what I do live. I just don't have to go buy four by six note cards and then spend some time cutting them up anymore. Okay. Um, before the pandemic, it, yeah, I was handing out pieces of paper that had 10 lines on them. You know, they'd, they'd fill out all 10 answers. Uh, and then at the end of the round, I'd say, hey, bring it up. And it was obviously very easy to, to see who wasn't ready because they weren't walking up with their answer sheet to uh, turn it into me. And you just kind of force it. You say, hey, you know, if it's not up here, then we're moving on. And that got the rest of them to bring it up. But uh, now, even now that I'm, I'm back in some of my live shows, uh, I've switched over fully to digital answer sheets. I'm still using the uh, Liquid Courage Magic Sheet to accept answers. And I like that little shrug. You know that they're not going to hear that on the podcast, right? It was the sitting equivalent uh, of a curtsy because I am a dainty, okay. dainty lass, sir. Yeah, you are. Um, I Yeah, I, I just require people to turn it in online now. And what I'll do is... Um, I'll say, hey, it's the end of the round. I'm giving you one minute until I close the answer sheet. And during that time, during that one minute timer, I will read off. I'll say, I've got answers from A and B and C and D and E. If you didn't hear your name, it's because I didn't get your sheet. You need it turned in now. And after the first round or two, I'm familiar with how many uh, answers are supposed to be in. And if I notice that I don't have that many on the next round, then I just I, I push a little bit harder for it. So the the question to me based on that becomes, and and you guys I think are better qualified to answer this than I am. Trust me. Um, how generous are you with the timing? Uh, for instance, you know I run a seventy five second timer online. Uh, the the logic for that is it's sixty seconds to think, fifteen seconds to type and hit submit. Um, our live shows, we it's 60 seconds to think and write. Writing is just faster than typing, so I build it in because I'm a benevolent trivia daddy. But the question becomes, at what point are you being too benevolent, especially uh, especially in the online case, because you don't have visual confirmation and often audio confirmation of what the heck is going on on the team's end, if they're having technical issues or if they're you know one or two characters away from hitting submit. So it, it goes to a question of grace. How much grace do you give and how do you balance that with the inevitable time sink that it leads to? So I think this is going to differ greatly between the one question, one answer and the 10 question, 10 answer crowds. Um, but for me, I will never err on the side of benevolence. I'm going to move according <laughs> to the timing that my show needs. Hold on. Not just because I'm an asshole, but also. But it helps. Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, both live and online, the final slide, on, on like the, the question rounds, uh, the final slide is a recap of all 10 questions that if I went too fast, they can look at it. They can go back to the ones they need. If they have any questions at that point, they can ask me, I can reread them, etc. So they're able to, if they didn't have enough time on any of them, they have a chance to go back and answer it. And that's where I'll be a little bit more benevolent. I'll say, hey, I don't have it. I need it from you soon. But it's better to do that 
on one slide out of 11 than 10 out of 10. So when I'm going through those questions the first time, I'm getting them out there, I'm getting them done. And then if needed, we can go back and revisit. I second everything Corey just said. So <laughs> you are you are uh, dictatorial trivia parents. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, and like Corey said, like, I'm not going to waste time. If you miss the, I read every question twice and then I repeat them all at the end. If you missed it all three times, that's not my problem. Like, you know, <laughs> do better all next right. time. So, so help me answer this kind of philosophical question. Jeremy, uh -oh. um, we'll go to you first. Are you benevolent or malevolent when it comes to timing and answers of the two? If you um, had to make a call right now, are you a good guy or a bad guy when it comes to a timer? I'm probably a good guy because there have been some teams, uh, particularly at the live shows we've been doing that. They've been going a little bit over the timer, but I'll usually call them out and say, hey, I need that answer for you. I'm going to give you an extra 10 seconds here to get it in. Uh, particularly we have a, on the Thursday show, there's a team of like nine people who have been playing um, at one of the tables. And it's just one of those. They're kind of like you can see them actively talking about the question. And it's one of those like, all right, you guys got to get something into me. Um, so I will cut them off and I had to do it on one question. Uh, but for the most part, they get it in if I call them on it. Okay. Uh, Jeff, um, how about you? Benevolent or malevolent trivia daddy? Um, definitely, definitely benevolent. Uh, uh, in my live game, especially, uh, because the early questions go quicker and the later questions go longer. A lot of the timing is kind of done in my head and I just kind of know where I'm at. Um, and like I said, I'll go, I'll go up to teams and say, yeah, you know, one minute till I need your answer. Um, I am far more forgiving with that than I would be. Uh, I think at least if I was, if I was really, really worried about it, I, I ask far fewer questions in my live game than I do on my Twitch game, uh, which allows me a little bit of wiggle room. So it allows me to be a little bit more benevolent because my questions get wordier and they, they're harder overall, I should say. Um, okay. But yeah, benevolent, benevolent. And we've established that Corey and Aaron, you are both malevolent, which is no, fine. No, I, I just would... have very firm boundaries that I expect to be respected. <laughs> you are, you I are stern argue. parents and I'm okay with that. I would argue. Go ahead and neutral. argue. I'm neutral. I, I, I like, uh, I like how, uh, Matt J actually sent it to my chat. He said, ambivalent. <laughs> kind of like you go both ways, you know? Exactly. In, in any event, the point I'm, is I'm neutral on the first 10. Like when I'm first reading the question, get that shit. Like we're moving on, but then I give them an opportunity to catch up. Okay. And after that, the vibe, them, like, yeah, the vibe I got there for a second was timer rules all anywhere, but the Midwest, uh, because we are the mid best at being polite. <laughs> That yeah, was six, six minutes ago, the observation <laughs> that I was trying to get to. And then everybody had a thesis statement and three damn paragraphs of exposition. And then Corey argued. And I think um, I think we have paced the pacing roundtable discussion pretty well. Uh, any last licks from all of you before we move on? Yeah, I'm good no. To go. no. Cool. Hey, we hit the Look, time. My, my screen is dimming. It's time to move on. All right. <laughs> that's a go. really good idea like i okay and i'm sorry i know we said no final thoughts but whatever um i like that idea a lot and i keep thinking because like twitch has a counter in the corner i'm looking at it right now spotify has a counter i keep thinking to myself i could i could if i needed to i could keep a tighter rein on this but that phone is a really good idea 
because it doesn't require me to watch anything. It just, it catches my attention just by doing the thing. Yeah. In 2020 and especially cool. online, you're never too far away from some kind of timing apparatus. Yeah. Speaking of timing apparatus, the one I'm looking at says, let's move on. Uh, who wants to explain to the beautiful people, both live and who are listening to this in podcast form, what's coming next? Oh, Erin told me she was cool. so I will. excited okay. to tell everyone about it. <laughs> so all of you look in the respective chats that you're in and you're going to see some variation of, uh, nope, me misspelling the podcast name. Um, of a link to a bit.ly, which will allow you to submit a keyword. Um, all five of us craft questions and a big part of the show is discussing the art of that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pick a random word that someone submitted out of a hat. We're going to give ourselves five to 10 minutes to come up with a question that uses that word either in the question or in the answer. And you can watch our process and then vote on who is your favorite and explain why it's me. <laughs> is this? it though? Oh, well, shit. no, because it's always you because you run the website. Yeah, I'm just saying, who watches The Watchmen there, Corey? <laughs> Hope that, that jives. Uh, we have nine responses in for the live episode. Should we just pull one at random? I'm worried uh, about pulling should. one at random because Rob told me what he submitted. I saw. I that, will say, so delete since, Robs. <laughs> since we just made that that statement to to check it, let's give people. Let's just shoot the shit for oh, 90 seconds. Here comes Tell number, them, hey, here comes number hey, there 10. There we go. So let's, let's give okay. them another minute and a half. And uh, in the meantime, we will talk about Jeremy. Uh, anybody uh, have any interesting uh, commentary in their chat that we want to very, very quickly kind of touch on? Uh, I'll throw out that Mappy1984 likes Triv now from a user's end. Uh, Capital Trivia uses Crowd.Live or CrowdPer, which I think some of us experience with. Largely similar. Um, the big difference is one is an app and one is web-based. I want to give a shout out to your wife, Jason, because she's hopping around and subscribing to everyone and chatting to people. And I just <laughs> respect the hell out of the hustle because I don't even want to have yes. my stream open right now. So <laughs> thanks, Quincy. <laughs> Yeah, whichever uh, stream Quincy is currently in, uh, Aaron loves you and wants you to succeed. I didn't. Ah, she's in mine. Okay. Uh, last call to get those keyword submissions in. Uh, we'll give you about 30 seconds. And then we're going to pull one. We're currently at 10. So I am, if y'all are cool with it and trust me and love me, uh, and I know that you do, I'm just going to go to random.org. And as soon as we close it down, I'm going to pull a random number between one and not one. Uh, so entry number two. Oh no. And as I pull over to responses, entry number uh, two what is, this gonna is be? not going to happen, <laughs> Rob. No. <what> <laughs> uh, random number generator part do has pulled out four, which is not Rob. I was going to say, it pulled out two again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and it's going to require a thank you to Emily Wilhite, who is apparently located creepily in my backyard. <laughs> uh, you guys ready for the keyword suggestion? You can look it yeah. up at your own uh, leisure. It is number four. And the keyword is board games. Should we call the start of it now? And uh, we will see at least on the podcast side, uh, all of you on the other side of this porn break. Uh, those of you listening live, things are about to happen. Hey everyone, Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter, on Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast, 
And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And we are back after a very, very brisk and not at all eventful 10-minute halftime break. Thank you for joining us again, uh, fellow hosts. There, no, no alcohol was directly imbibed from, from handles of rum. Uh, there wasn't a complete and utter um, de- detraction into spreadsheeting and talking about uh, anything and everything. We, we were brisk. We got this done. And I am ready to hear uh, four other questions about board games. The keyword brought to us by Emily Wilhite, apparently located in my backyard. Aaron, do you want to kick us off? Sure do. And this is an example of why I enjoy the fact that my medium is now online. I can do uh, wordplay puns that are homophones. So just hang with me on this because this would work much better if you could see it. If you want to talk about board games, I can tell you about the game of Risk that lasted over 17 hours, or I could tape your eyeballs open and make you watch the YouTube video of the two-hour game I found. I would rather tell you about the trio of science fiction writers that are collectively known as the Big Three and are credited with ushering in the golden age of science fiction. Robert Heinlein is well known for his Starship Troopers and others. Arthur C. Clarke gave us monoliths and killer spaceship computers. What third author gave us robots in 1995 short story called Risk? I know this dead to rights, but I will wait for other people. I have some pretty strong thunder on this as well. When you were naming the big three, I had three go through my head and you named two of them. So <laughs> uh, that that was a bunch of words. And I locked in on uh, big three sci-fi robots. So I have a guess on this as well. Uh, Corey, anything from you before we throw our spitball guesses out? I'm just still trying to get the Evan Williams out of my mouth. So I'll take that as a firm no. Jeremy, you jumped in with the most thunder. I'm pretty sure I'm going to back up what you're about to say, and I assume Jeff as well. What do you think? Uh, I believe that would be the Foundations Trilogy author, or more known for the movie I, Robot, uh, with Will Smith, if you remember that. Uh, that would be Isaac Asimov. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that's the right call, especially with uh, Asimov yeah. and his three laws of robotics or four or whatever. I don't know. Can you really <laughs> just make three laws and then back engineer like rules and, and call them like rule zero and rule negative one and stuff. Is that a thing that can happen? Apparently. You can when you're one of the big three. And despite what I put in the answer in the chat, it is Isaac Asimov. So I, say, cool. I think I we already did not Clark click on it because you said um, that. <laughs> yeah. I was looking and I'm like, I, I said Clark twice. You know, so you know, the again, best, this is how the sausage is made. Right. Uh, <laughs> do you know the best thing about an Aaron question? It's that if you did not tell me which of the five of us had written that question, but you did confirm that Aaron was on this episode, this is Aaron's fucking question. It has your paw marks all over it. Uh, you have taken <laughs> you us a on question, a journey. You want a question about board games? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the prompt was A, you somehow got to seven in the alphabet on this question. <laughs> But, you know, the risk double connection obviously locks it in. It's just, it's buried with the uh, the other risky stuff that you kind of threw in. It was a very risky business kind of question. I thought about that for a minute, but decided this would be more fun. And part of that is because coming up with 10, like, I don't ever want to, like, lock myself into a category where people are going to hate it if they don't love the category. And coming up mm. with 10 questions is hard. So you got to get weird. Yeah, no, you monkeys pawed it in a really solid way. I dig it. <laughs> nice. I like it. 
Uh, any notes from anybody? I, other than just the the verboseness, which again, yeah. great in an audio medium. Yeah, it's just I the like way it. it ends up. Yeah, it works better when you can read it on a slide, and I always bold the question call. Ah, yeah, that's definitely uh, going to be important here. Mm. What do we have next? Oh, it's me. I'm next. Thank me, you. me, 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 me. Okay. So here is my question. Based on a children's book by author Chris Van Allsburg, what 2005 action-adventure movie tells the story of two siblings whose lives get thrown into chaos when the events of a board game begin happening in real life? This movie starred a very young Josh Hutcherson, along with Kristen Stewart and Dax Shepard. Oh, is this the I know thing this one that's too. like the thing, but it isn't the thing? And it's written by the same author. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I always figured this was just kind of a, a rebooted spiritual sequel. I didn't know that this was based on another novel. If this is the thing that I think this is the thing on, which is like that other thing, but it's not that other thing, then I think I know what thing this is. I have no idea what the thing is. It's not Jumanji. Um, no, but it's, it's but Jumanji, Jumanji is actually space? mentioned in the book um, of this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a spiritual successor. They talk about Jumanji kind of in the lore of the book, like as it's going okay. on, like it, it gets brought up. Uh, so just to make sure that I'm on the same page as you, is this uh, this is Jumanji in space, basically, right? Yes. Yes. This okay. Is Jumanji in space. Then then I'm locked in. Uh, the only issue I would have is, am I remembering the correct spelling of the name of this thing or am I just real adjacent to it in my head? Uh, Corey, what do you know about Jumanji in space? Um, I know that when I first saw it, I was not aware that it was based on a book or anything. And I thought it was legit, just a complete ripoff of Jumanji. And so I hated <laughs> it for that reason. Um, but I also know exactly what we're talking about based on the, the phrase Jumanji in space. So, uh, this is, is it called Zathura? Did I get that right? Yeah. What is that, Jason? Say it one more time. Is it called, it, it's called like Zathura, right? That's correct. Zathura colon, a space adventure is the full title, but it's just called Zathura it's just known a Jumanji Zathura. space adventure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when I was, when I was writing this, uh, I, I accidentally uh, pinned myself down in two different places. My original plan was to have the names of the actors all the way at the end. Uh, and I, named the year of the movie without thinking that that will pull you out of the Jumanji. I specifically wrote the first half of this to essentially be a Jumanji left turn. So you read the first half of the question. And then when I say the name of the actors that are in it, you go, wait, they weren't in Jumanji, but the year kind of throws that off too. Yeah. It's a but, better question. If you take the year out, I really like it that way. Yeah. <laughs> as I was, as I was writing it, um, the, the couple people that were in my stream can attest. I was struggling to put the name of the actors at the end in a way that didn't make it sound ridiculous. And because of that, I completely forgot to take the year out. But that's what I came up with in 10 minutes. So I'm not going to go back and change and take the year out. Um, no, no. But yeah, um, you can't thoughts, edit podcasts. Comments. <laughs> um, no, you covered the, the strongest base there. And I think you, you kind of um, commented on yourself that without that 2005... It plays exactly like those left turn questions. I did one a little while ago uh, that was brought to me by another friend who temporarily ran pub trivia. And it was uh, a very basic question that basically asked what classic video game features, uh, you know, like a overall overall wearing 
protagonist in his battle against, you know, a giant simian. And the whole point of the question was you were supposed to be so locked into Super Mario Brothers that you didn't even read the word simian and realize I was talking about Donkey Kong. Yeah. It didn't play that way, especially since I uh, present all my <laughs> questions on a screen as well. But it reminds me of that, that left turn at the very end where if you're not super paying attention, you're so locked in on an obvious answer that you miss the boat of the actual ask. Yeah. And it the, makes uh, us feel clever. And I like those. I I recently, I shouldn't say recently, a few months ago, I watched this movie with both my boys and um, I didn't know that Josh Hutcherson was in it. But it's interesting if you watch it because he looks like PETA from hunger games just just shrunk down he has just he doesn't look any different just shorter like a smaller version of the same full-size actor just kid size anyway jason what do you got for us you're up next oh shit am i okay uh well bam (laughs) here's my question if you checked the all-time rankings on boardgamegeek.com today you'd see gloomhaven at the top of the heap a stunning example of what modern game genre which involves at times counterintuitively destroying some of the game components. Wrestlers like Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr., and Cody Rhodes might enjoy that part, though. I think I know this. I'm struggling trying to... <laughs> I'm struggling. That trying silence to get means this. it's working. <laughs> I'm struggling trying to get the wrestlers worked into that, and I'm trying to yeah. figure out how that clue sits. But... See, I don't know enough about wrestlers to know if they confirm my guess or not. I just have a guess based on the main part of the question. (laughs) I was seeing Randy Orton go RKO out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I think I got it. I know what the Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and Cody Rhodes connection is. Like I, I know. I have a guess based on those three, but as far as relating that word to video or to board games it means literally nothing oh god so i have no I think idea I, I think i just got it and after running my brain through things for two <laughs> weeks based on this theme i'm going to murder you <laughs> <laughs> yeah jeremy's got it yep jeremy very very much has it yep Corey, i think that you have it and you don't know that you have it is it the name so what, of the group that those I, three fi- wrestlers were a part Fire of? and answer at me. Yeah, fire and answer at me, buddy. They were the legacy. Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase were I mean, the yeah, legacy. Jason's got his... That, that was my... Like, a legacy game is one where you play it in a bunch of stages and you have to, like, put stickers on to face the board, but it takes a lot longer to play. I don't know shit about wrestling. I just am a board game nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so. was not familiar with that term as it relates to board games at all yeah it's a newer genre that came out a couple years ago uh there's a version for risk their uh pandemic very very popularly has done a couple seasons of a legacy board game now gloomhaven was built from the ground up as a legacy board game and yeah uh the board changes your abilities and characters change from session to session it is meant to be basically DD as a board game a one-time kind of campaign did anybody catch the I'm, other? I'm hint? having puzzle boat PTSD. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did throw a second in on this. When you said pandemic and rest, risk, I've heard of risk legacy and pandemic legacy. I did not know that that's what that. I thought it was just a way of them saying the original, uh, a throwback, something like that. Oh. No, 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 those, those are like a yep. genre of games. So. 
Yep, every uh, every future game is based on the uh, effects of the previous games. Did anybody catch the subtle other hint I threw in there? Nope. Bam. As in Emerald, mispronounced oh. legacy. Oh my god! I, you just explained it, and I still don't I'm, get it. I'm so I'm so glad. What's, Aaron, what's Emerald's last name? name? Yeah. What is Emerald's last name? Um, okay. Oh, Legacy. Gah. Yeah. Ah. Damn it. You know, oh, we made it this me. whole podcast. Oh, no. He oh. snuck other stupid shit in. But this is, like... <laughs> yeah, that wasn't as in your face, though. Like, <sighs> damn it, Jason. I sat down with this question and I'm like, there are things I want to do. I want to make the answer legacy so I can put a wrestling backdoor reference in. I want to talk about Gloomhaven being the most popular game currently on Board Game Geek. And I also want a shitty pun. You nailed it. I mean, three yeah. for three. Also, Sean in my chat says that Gloomhaven is not the best example of this game, but has some elements of it. So I know Board Game Geek says it's great. I've just... Mm. reasonable minds can do differ and i'm asking her yeah for it's, it's so. in the most pure sense it's not strongly tied to a legacy game but it absolutely features comparable elements and i think the argument could be made that it is at least conceptually a legacy game well i think we can I, all I agree it. that emerald legacy a cooking simulator is the best <laughs> board game of all time yeah, you'd have to use the the stickers or like your ingredients and once you use them you don't exactly. have them in your pantry anymore exactly yeah <laughs> TM, you done, you just bam, chopped the board game. Look at the time Question. after that. I gotta go. Yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron, since I said TM and copyright, I own that idea, right? I swear to God, if you say fair use, I'm fucking leaving. I'm rage quitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I if I mail myself a physical copy of this conversation, do I own? <laughs> no. And they never saw Aaron Barkley again. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, any notes? Yeah, she does. Uh, who do we any got notes next, on this god awful question? I, I believe I am next, but I'll, I'll right. wait for the return of the Aaron. I'm going to preface this with it's not my usual verbose, crazy question. I realized that explaining it to my stream as I was going through the process was taking a lot of time. So I did go a bit easier, uh, a bit more Jeremy, if you will. <laughs> a dedicated field of research known as ludology would involve studying such notable works as Hounds and Jackals, Trouble, Diplomacy, and Dixit, as well as other examples of what subject? Uh, big ass lakes in Louisiana because it's ludology. That's the one. Exactly. Wasn't from the monster from Labyrinth? Ludo. <laughs> big one. No? No, you're right. It was. Go away. Yeah, I, I've got this locked down. I think it's it. it's pretty overt. Yeah. That's actually where they got their name. See, I don't I don't usually like to do study of, fear of, you know, those types of questions because it is generally so know it or don't and also kind of overdone in bar trivia and etymology based and yeah but i f and obviously knowing the keyword and not hearing it <laughs> in the question kind of gives away the answer um but i think that as written this kind of works as a like third or fourth question in the round it, it's a little bit tricky it's got the information to give you the answer but it's also got 
some other directions it could go. So I, like I didn't that you, feel too bad using it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I liked that you picked board game names that are like, these are all other things, but I know yeah. that Diplomacy is a board game. That's one that'll fucking ruin friendships, by the way. Holy shit. <laughs> right. um, I was playing birthday with a all bunch the of dice. friends and like a married couple was like, we aren't talking to each other right now. This game needs to end. Like it got <laughs> tense. Anyway, I know Diplomacy and Dixon and Trouble are board games. So mm. that would be, I'd be the first to the table going, I think that's what this is. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, I agree with you there. My, my only change would be, uh, I would take notable works out and rephrase that wording a little bit and maybe swap out or include risk in there, especially next to diplomacy, just because those words have very disparate kind of definitions and it's, well, you know, it, it red herrings. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going for in general was I wanted notable games. I wanted notable games that, you know, somebody who's into board games is going to recognize but could otherwise be, and I specifically said this to the people in my stream, I'm looking for things that sound like they could be a painting or a song or something else uh, as a red herring for those people who aren't intimately familiar with them as board games. So Yeah, I like the examples you picked. Yeah. I, I really do. Hounds and Jackal is the only one I'm not personally familiar with, but that might have taken the, off the garden path. A bit. The only reason I included that is... Uh, Again, going back to my stream, the first thing that I did to start this writing process was go to the Wikipedia article for board games. And that is uh, the first or one of the first, let's see here, uh, one of the first known ancient Egyptian board games uh, that appeared around 2000 BC. And I immediately oh, locked okay. on to that name, Hounds and Jackal, and I thought, if I, I was going to use that as the basis for my question. I was like, hounds and jackals sounds like something you could write a question around. Um, wound up going in a different direction, but still wanted to throw it in because it is a notable work of art. And uh, I figure somebody who's big into ludology would know what hounds and jackals is. Yeah, I, I think that was easily one of the um, four best questions I've heard so far. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Duh. Uh, let's round out that, that final five, unless anybody else has any more commentary on this second place question. Oh, <laughs> that was good. Oh, oh, oh. oh, no, I have a direct pipeline to the voters right now. I'm going to take advantage Actually, of it. I went yeah. a little bit deeper here. You'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it to Jeremy and then we'll talk. <laughs> I swear All to God, right. if this has to do with prices and monopoly, you are off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I didn't think of it. That would have been that would have been great. But no. This is gonna be one of those I think you either know it or you don't. Um I didn't really sprinkle in many hints, so well you'll see. Here's my question. Created in nineteen seventy-eight at Nuremberg, what is the name of the award given to the board game of the year? It has been noted that just being nominated for this award can increase game sales by three thousand to ten thousand units. And the winner can usually expect their sales to increase to 300 to 500,000 copies sold. Notable past recipients include Rummy Cube in 1980, Ticket to Ride in 2004, and Dominion in 2009. Hey, I know that game. Mm-hmm. And this uh, is one I, that, in 2018. If you, you ask me the other way, what is this award for? I'd know it cold, but I don't know the name of the award. I do. I, uh, yeah. And I have opinions on this question, but I have this dead to rights. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. As soon as as soon as you started off, um, I think you said something like game, yeah, board game of the year award. Immediately knew what it was. I couldn't pronounce it. I'm not going to be the one who says it out loud. Um, but yeah, it, I will say. Settlers of Catan was the first one that I owned that had this award. And mm-hmm. because of that award and Settlers, I have branched out to other uh, games. Again, specifically it really is. Of the award. Yeah, it really is an excellent, excellent mechanism out there for finding uh, the newest and the best out there. Um, I can say this because I spent three years in my teenage years uh, learning how to say shit like this. Should I say it for everybody? Please, yes. please. It is uh, it is literally German for game of the year, Spiel des Jahres. And that's why I made him say it, because I always forget how to pronounce it. So <laughs> uh, it's pronounced uh, Spiel des Jahres. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's let's get into opinions, and I have some on this because, as written, it is a you, you either know it or you don't that can be yep. written in a different way to not be a you either know it or you don't. And the key yeah. inclusion would be uh, getting its name from you know uh, the non-translated phrase "game of the year," uh, keeping the Nuremberg in so that there's the geographical connection to German. And hey, if somehow somebody can reverse engineer. Um, that phrase into German, it's guessable at that point without knowing anything about board games. I was thinking of putting something at the end there, like your high school uh, German class might help with this. That might not have been a bad clue there, um, but I think yeah. you do need to specifically point out that it translates to game of the year for that in to, to be guessable. And even then, not a lot of people speak German. It's me and other people yeah. I don't want to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> I think that the created in 1978 is, I think the created in at Nuremberg uh, is the equivalent of your high school German class. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like it as written. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a just, significant it, enough portion of trivia players that are also board game geeks. I think that uh, as board games are becoming more and more popular as well, I've seen that over the last couple of years or even longer than that. Um, I think that there's a good possibility that at least someone on your team is going to know, uh, at least have a close enough, what I would consider close enough phonetically, like just get in the ballpark as to what that, you know, what that phrase is in German. Even if you can't say Spiel des Jahres, you know, you could maybe write it down in a way that we would get it. And I, and I think that, you know, those questions have their places. I I like it. I, I agree that there's a couple of different approaches that you might want to take depending on where you put it in your game. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, I definitely well, would that... never do a spelling counts on this. <laughs> yeah. uh, to that logic, though, Jeff, I would love to see just the inclusion of a very brief phrase, uh, non-English name yeah. of the award. And then I, I would stand by that. But what do I know? I wrote a wrestling in to a board game <laughs> question that's Nietzsche's hell, so... Yeah. Heard a science fiction question. Oh, um, I do want to. I want to point out that uh, in my question, the board game Dixit, I included that. I felt okay including that as a notable example because it did win this award, um, and I figured that was good enough to make it an in for mine. Whereas the other yeah, no, including that hint didn't make you a 
that hint didn't make you a dicks at all. Yeah, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say. I thought you included it just because it included the the phonem dicks. <laughs> no, like, who writes dicks into a podcast? Not a question. That. But I mean, in my other my other examples could have you know they're first of all they're uh, simple English terms that could have related to some other uh, form of art with Dixit being like the only more abstract term. But uh, yeah, I also own that game and the one that uh, one of the others that Jeremy mentioned, Ticket to Ride, is one of my favorite board games. So the So he's got a Ticket to Ride, but we don't care. (laughs) I'm just saying fuck off is all I'm saying. (laughs) All right, let's put a let's put a nice little bow on this. Uh, Corey, I'm going to throw to you because I think the answer might be different than I expect to be. How do uh, the listeners vote for their favorite question in this episode? What? Why? I didn't know. I, I honestly didn't know if you had something special set up since we have active participants right now to vote. Fuck no. Everyone can right, just cool. type my name in chat. Just be like, good job, Corey. Thank you. It was a little bit easy, but you still deserve it. Like, be right back, blocking the word Corey in my chat. Okay. However, uh, so, when, yep. no. Um, when this does release on uh, podcast mediums worldwide, you could go to quadriviapodcast.com and vote for it there. Uh, that would be a terrific way to. Uh, let your voice be heard. Just make sure you click on Corey, select the question that Mm-mm. I provided, Mm-mm. and uh, we will Mm-mm. be good. Not that. Also, what I thought you were alluding to is I did something special for this episode. Uh, and I Ooh, went back I like special. and I checked, I checked the results of all of the previous keyword challenges. And they're a little more surprising than you may expect. Oh, so go on. I'm going to tell you, and this is a very stop smacking. My dog keeps hitting me, and I don't know why. She's gone outside. It's not time for dinner. Leave me alone. I'm recording. She doesn't give a shit. Um, I went through. I I checked the results for all of the keyword challenges. And I've tallied up the results. And I'm just going to tell you the results for people who are on this episode, as they are the, we are the most prolific um, respondents, fortunately. Jeff, you have taken first place one time in a keyword challenge. Big one. Uh, Almost two. You have taken first place twice. Jeremy, you've taken first place three times. Sweet. Jason, you have taken first place ten times. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? And I (laughs) have taken first place. I already called the end of the podcast. Bye, everybody. Calling BS (laughs) preemptively. Nine times. Nine times. Oh, really? Yeah. Jason, could you say that number that is not double digits again? I almost missed it. However, however, I went a step farther. I looked at Jason and I's head-to-head results. Oh, and in the in the episodes where he and I both uh, placed in the top three. He has had a higher score than me 
three times. I have had a higher score than him three times. Oh, Jesus. And we have been tied four times. God. So, I'd say we're in a dead heat, honestly. Um, oh, that doesn't take into account, yeah. however, the episodes that we were both on, but uh, one of us didn't place in the top three. Right. So, right. like, that might skew uh, with that in mind. But the ones where we both placed, we are dead even. And then there's the rest of the people. Uh, one of the rest of the people, one of our special guests is in uh, my chat right now. Want to know uh, their performance. And uh, for the episode that featured Addie Lewis, Addie Lewis, you placed first. Hey. Fuck yeah. Congratulations, Addie. Way to go, Quizzin' Ronan. <laughs> yeah, so technically uh, you have 100% first place. Good job. Yeah, I mean, he's not the only one. Uh, the episode that featured Matt from Triviality, first place. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm misreading the data. He finished third place. Uh, the episode <laughs> Peter <laughs> appeared on way back episode five. He finished first place as well. Nice. That's and uh, Adam from Throwback Trivia Takedown has also gone one for one. That said, some of those uh, you did tie with other people, but it was the tie for first not a tie for you know some shitty results so yeah someone in my uh, chat studiously observed that one plus two plus three plus ten plus nine is a lot more than 24. so mm -hmm. yeah there were some ties yeah good yeah. job with math i didn't catch that at all <laughs> yeah uh thank you for putting that work together especially since i now trust it because i won <laughs> i also want to point out that i have placed top three in two different episodes that i didn't appear on <laughs> Mother god damn it in and i want to point out that we're here to play trivia. Let's play some trivia. I like it. Stuff his own dick all night if we let him. Yeah, he really oh, is. Yeah, he will. Anything, anything I can do. Let's go. Who's got a trivia uh, round for us? All right. So before we get on to that, uh, just really quick, if you guys want to send us a keyword challenge for a future episode, you can do so at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Oh, yay. I got put in charge of a game. Oh, no. He got Th that's put in charge thing of a that's game. That's going to happen. Um, so I, I pulled this. This is actually one of the first... Um, like uh, round fives I wrote for one of our games. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a silly one. Um, some of you may have seen it a long time ago. Right after I hosted the show, I posted it in the Quadrivia group, but or not Quadrivia. I'm sorry, the Triviality group on Facebook. But it's been a long time. So hopefully nobody here remembers it if they've seen it. But I thought it'd be fun to do on the show really quick. It's called Punny Name Mashups. Uh, each clue combines details about two people, real or fictional. The team's job is to figure out those names. Uh, and how they mash together for a pun. An example would be John Lennon shows up when his name is said three times. The answer would be what? A terrible pun that I don't want to say. It'd be Beetlejuice. Uh, okay. And then uh, right. another one would be a Muppet with a silly accent becomes the 84th U.S. Attorney General. Oh, um, Swedish Chef Sessions. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff no, got it. No. Really? I was stuck I'm like, on how Spiro do... Agnew for some reason. Or Chef Sessions. Like a Muppet. Yeah. But all right, let's go straight into Janet the game. Reno and I couldn't get to Janice Reno on that. <laughs> Attorney General Janice Reno. All right. Rob, write this down. Joke joke Attorney General names. Got legs. <laughs> all right. Uh going into question one then. Uh we'll do this really quick. And uh you guys can just shout it out if you have it. Anybody in chat wants to play along, uh be the guest, throw it in the chats. Um question one. 
the actress who currently plays Aunt May has a side job as a famous Italian plumber. Again, the actress who currently plays Aunt May has a side job as a famous Italian plumber. Okay, I think I think I got it. I don't know actresses. I think I hate it, but I think I got it. And I'll accept two different answers on this one. There's a couple of these that can kind of go either way. Yeah, uh, I'm upset because I'm running through names in my head and none of them are sounding right. But she she won Best Supporting Actress for My Cousin Vinny. And everybody's like, wait, what? And then everybody that saw the movie was like, yeah, she deserves it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a good performance, but is it Oscar caliber? Yeah, I, I have I have her name dead to rights. This is uh, this is the, the Laffy Taffy of this round, I think, in terms of pun connections. Uh, should I should I drop the hammer on it? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah go ahead. This is, gonna this is Marissa Tomario, and I'm going to stretch the hell out of that oh vowel because you God. did. Uh. <laughs> uh, correct. I would have also accepted Mariosa Tomei. Oh, God. And you shouldn't have. <laughs> all right. All right. Question number two, because we all love puns. This frontman of a popular grunge band put on a mask and appears to have developed breathing problems. Oh, I hate you. And there's actually two I will take uh, on this one because it came up when I did it live and I didn't think of it. I, I I cannot possibly hate you more than I hate you in this moment right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the second answer could be. Yeah, me too. I, it's it's uh, ex, it's exactly what you think it is. Oh, uh, I well <clears throat> I know what the answer that he wrote this looking for. Oh oh the alternate answer. Okay. The I alternate answer I'm assuming is Eddie Darth Vader. Maybe. Oh. That's good. Eddie Vader, yeah. That's, but I, you know, okay. I almost like that one better because I hate this one and everything that it stands for. Then right, Jason, and I, Kurt Jason Cobain, and I went, right? that's the one. That Believe it. it or not, I, I, you guys are both right. I wrote this looking for Eddie Vader. Huh. Uh, but I would have taken Kurt Cobain. Really? That's not the one you wanted? That was not the one I thought of when I wrote the question. My brain really? immediately went there. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, so did a bunch of other people. And I'm like, that's not what I thought of. It Quarter absolutely of a second on that for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. It it's so the worst, man. Ugh. <laughs> All right, go into question three. Bart, Lisa, and Maggie's dad is the strongest man in the Bible. Uh, Homer would Samson. be that mass up, mashup. Yeah. yeah yep. Homer, Just, I, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. I love me a good pun. I love me a good celebrity thematic pun. You're hurting my soul with these. And uh, that that one, uh, particularly to credit to uh, Andy Trahan. Uh, he gave me that one when I was writing this round. Okay. Well, I, I don't hate him. He's swell. You and I are going to have words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four. Genghis just became the pilot of the Millennium Falcon. Uh, you will get right. no answers from me. You will only get groans at this point. Just, so just I'm, I'm just trying to figure answer. out exactly what he's looking for. for the Genghis answer. just became the pilot of the Millennium Falcon. Well, um, I, do you, okay. all the other ones have been mushed together into one. I'm assuming that you're looking for Khan Solo or yeah. Genghis Khan Solo. Yeah, no, yeah. Khan Solo works. No, it, it, That's it, exactly it is what it says on the tin. Chewbacca. Yep. Really <laughs> Chewbacca. Oh, he was the navigator. <laughs> yeah, navigator. <laughs> That would work, too, though, if I had said the navigator. You're right. <laughs> All right. Question number five. We'll keep moving along here as we're running short on time. Material Girl decides to become the queen of disco. Okay. Madonna yeah. Summers. This one. I, Next. I this, like one. this one. 
is the one I've hated the least. I want yeah. you to know that. No, this is this is a fun before and after. Yeah, yeah. If if you uh, difficultyed up the ins on this, this is a solid one. Rob, oh, write this God. one down. It took you some goddamn time, but <laughs> Madonna Summers, exactly. I would be All right, going to get fucking and I don't know why. Is it Summers you... plural or Summer singular? I'm not positive. I that thought it's it plural. was uh, so maybe this Donna Summer. I thought it was Donna Summers, but that could just be me typoing it. I'll have to look it up. It looks uh, but anyway. singular. Okay, I feel better. Okay, so moving on to question number six. Hoochie Coochie Man Singer becomes an American broadcast journalist with stints on The View in 2020. I have to think. You finally got one where I had to think. Thank you. No, I've got I've got the back half celebrity. I am drawing a mental blank on the front half, and I'm trying to Jeremy this name to try to get something that makes sense. <laughs> do, do we want to workshop it in case someone else yeah, has let's, the first yep. half? Yeah, yeah let's workshop it. This is uh, the, the back half. Yeah, the back half is Barbara Walters. I'm trying to I'm trying to get somewhere from Barbara or something that ends in. Uh, I, I feel like Brian it would Walsh. start with Walter, like Barbara Walter something, but I. It's the secret me. life of Barbara Walter Mitty. That's all I got. That's <laughs> Barbara the one. Walter Payton. All right. All right. Well, uh, you guys did get the I back half. We're tapping. It is Barbara Walters. Uh, the person who or the Hoochie Coochie Man singer is Muddy Waters. So Muddy Walters would be your answer to that one. Oh, I hate every part of that answer. All right. We got some Chicago con in this next one. Well, I guess a little bit more. Yeah, yeah move the hell on now. from that one. All right. Question number seven. The father of modern linguistics retires and becomes a singer and guitarist for Blink-182 and Alkaline Trio. See, I actually know the front half on this better than I know the back half, believe it or not. The father Matt, of modern linguistics. linguistics. Okay. Matt Skiba is the second half. Well, then maybe I don't, because I thought it was Noam Chomsky, the father of modern linguistics. You're on the right path. Noam Chomskyba? That's so... There you go. I'm back to groaning. I am back to groaning. (laughs) Yeah. Remind me later to have opinions about... I am loving this. I am loving the reactions on about Matskyba and Blink-182 once we allow the 9.30 hard out time people to go home. (laughs) (laughs) All right, question number eight. After graduating from Hogwarts, he's he decides to use his magic to become a nanny for the Banks family. It's because that's Mary Poppins is the the nanny for the Banks family, but is it Harry Poppins? Oh my god! It is Harry Poppins. Oh man, this is the final episode of Quadrivia. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. If Jason is groaning, loving every minute of this. All right, go to the question number nine. Jim Hellwig's ring persona becomes the arch enemy of Mario. This and one, Jim I don't Hellwig's hate. ring persona becomes the arch enemy of Mario. Uh, I yeah, mean, I know I, Bowser, but yeah, Bowser's. No, no, it's not that direction. Donkey Kong. No. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe arch well, enemy isn't the uh, warrior the right word here. Yeah. Oh, I still don't. The question is, do you know who Jim Helwig is? Nope. I nope. do. <laughs> no, ultimately, I do know who Jim Helwig is. Ultimately, huh? Yep. Oh, okay. Ultimate Wario. There you go. You got there. Good job. Man. And my favorite, and everybody's oh. favorite, question number 10. <laughs> Former America's Got Talent host is actually an annoying, clumsy Dungan. 
Jared, Jared. And I will take two answers on this one. He's got Armor America's got um, talent host. Who was, was that... on EGT? Was that the one that had like Tyra Banks or was that? Oh yeah, no, it is because this Jar-Jar is as stupid Banks. as I think it is. Jar Jar yeah. Banks, yeah. Jar Jar Banks or Tyra Binks. Either one would work. I argue that premise. <laughs> All right. You can find us online at quadraviapodcast.com. You can email us at quadraviapod at gmail. Uh, you can submit keyword challenges however you want. And I'm Corey with Third Degree. <laughs> if you're still with us, we are glad that you're here. Um, I just said this in my chat, but I'm going to say it on behalf of everyone as well. We didn't know how this was going to go. We didn't know what it was going to be like. I've had six people in my chat who've been chatting with me and having a good time. And it means the world that y'all are there. And I know that you guys have people in your chat as well. So thank you for going on this very weird ride with us. I'm sorry the end got even weirder. But um, it, it may seem like it's not a big thing, but it's been super, super cool to have you guys supporting us here and in podcast land. No, it very much does. Thank you so much for uh, shouting out everybody who who sat here with us for the last two and a half hours during this live recording, Aaron. And to Quincy, who is literally the reason this all happens. Yes. Thank you, Quincy. Yeah. Thank we you, Quincy. You. We'll see if these live ones right. ever happen again. Yeah, well, <laughs> not, we have, I mean, let let's not learn, do them right? as a live yeah, right? stream. That's what I would say. <laughs> let's get on out of here. Jeff, who are you? Where can people find you and why? uh why that's a strong question uh i'm jeff with rmt trivia you can find me on twitch on thursdays at twitch.tv slash rmt trivia um and uh also at all the social places at rmt stands for riddle me this not rnt rmt as in monkeys m as in nancy (laughs) yep oh thank you aaron I had to. I'm Aaron. You can find me at Orange Cat Trivia and all the usual places. Uh, and the why is because I have cats and also because I'm going to slap you in the face with a science fiction question when you expect the board games. <laughs> all right. I've been Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment here in Chicago. Uh, why? Because. Because. I blame Jason. That's that's why. He, he got me pulled into this weird, crazy mess uh, years ago, and I'm still here. So, and now I'm part of a podcast. It happens. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at LK Jeremy. Uh, if you're watching my channel, you know that. If you're not, uh, yeah, that's where you find me here. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter. I don't use it quite as, as much as I should, but at JerWG. I'm Corey. I am third degree entertainment, so called because I will give you the third degree. Ah, do you get it? Third degree burns. I'm going to talk shit to you because I don't like you. Um, you can find me <laughs> that online. That is true. You're more hostile to your players than I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually well, tell my, when I hire a host, I tell them to be more aggressive and they don't <laughs> listen. Um, find me online. Just search third degree entertainment. Look for Theo the Owl. You'll know him when you see him. I am, <laughs> we're doing this, this live recording from my new streaming office. So I will be back on Twitch. Um, not sure what the schedule will be, but check me out there. There will be <laughs> trivia, there will be video games, and whatever else happens. I'm very excited for that, buddy. Genuinely excited, Jenny. So I'm mm-hmm. excited too. Uh, we'll have to do something about the soundproofing so it doesn't echo the entire time. But other than that, <laughs> we'll be good. All right, and I've been Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment. You can find me all the time, forever, uh, right here on Twitch for our live viewers and for our podcast listeners. That is twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage. Why? Because I like you.
<laughs> and you can find us online uh, on Twitter at QuadriviaPod, on Facebook at QuadriviaPod. You can email us keyword suggestions. You can email us uh, ideas for roundtable topics. You can uh, email us asking to see the data that Corey fudged if he thinks that he came anywhere near my results. Uh, and that is QuadriviaPod <laughs> at gmail.com again. And lastly, you can see his beautiful web work, although I don't trust the back end, at QuadriviaPodcast.com. Beautiful. And with that said, right? I I said a nice. You earned a nice. <laughs> I am so ready to hire someone to make us an actual website because that is my least favorite part now about releasing every episode is having to update. I'm like, what the fuck do I put here? I don't know what to do. I couldn't figure out how to post pictures. Speaking I of how high, the- I post the questions and I leave. <laughs> Speaking of what the fuck do I put here, that's our outro. We will see you guys for episode 26. Goodbye. Yay, bye. Also, I got to share, I'm drinking water out of the bottle with Corey's face on it. And it does not matter how this bottle is sitting. Corey is always staring at me. You're welcome. Judging you with his judgy (laughs) sticker eyes.